Anybody like to swim? Anybody like to swim in a free pool that you don't have to take care of, right? This is what we're talking about. But then they sold the house. And all the kids in the room are like, boo, new neighbors. They don't know that their pool, I've swam in that pool so many times. But I didn't have the invite. So I couldn't go over and swim. And Tom's a great guy. And uh, is, is connected, Noah mows his lawn and all that stuff. And, you know, we're kind of like, you know, man, and they'd be swimming and stuff. And we're like, oh, man. So cool. I remember swimming in that pool and they're jumping out the dive board. I'm like, oh man. It's not like you can go up to it and be like, hey, just so you know, the last people that own the house let us swim in the pool anytime we want. Was that not in the contract? Um, your neighbors? So we, we kind of developed a relationship with, with Tom. And then one day, this summer, it's been a couple years, this summer, I got the text. And he said, it's really hot out. You guys, you know you can swim anytime you want. And I was like, guys, I came down to the kitchen. I was like, I got it. I got it. We can swim anytime we want. But he doesn't really mean it. So we have to figure out what does he really mean. And so through this, this past summer, we've been able to swim a little bit over there. And it's been great. So I don't know what you think about what is happening in this room right now. But all of that is tied together with what we're talking about today. And we're going to be talking about being a good neighbor, just like State Farm wants us to be, right? And so um, I don't know what your experience is with your neighbors, but we're going to look in Scripture. And if you have a Bible, you can turn to 2 Kings chapter 4, um, and we'll, we'll go there. And uh, before we dive deep into that, um, in 2 Kings 4, we're going to go ahead and love the kids out of the room. And so here we go. I'm going to count to three, and they're going to head out. Ready? Oh, and the crossing today as well. So they're excited. So here we go. One, two, three. I'm suspicious of, I'm not exactly sure if it's true, um, because I don't know your heart, but um, I believe that at the core of who we are, that there is the way that we've been wired, is we have been wired to connect. We've been wired to have deep relationships with each other. What just happened in the room was not very deep, right? What Lego did you get? Um, even being invited over to somebody's pool um, is not necessarily a deep relationship. Aristotle talked about the fact that there, he felt that like there was three different types of friendships or relationships. One is this friendship of utility, which is really just simply because you're doing something together, like you have to be together, and so you just are, and you're somehow connected that way. Um, an example of that would be the people you work with. Like, you, you don't get to choose them necessarily unless you're the, the boss, um, but you end up working with them and you're in relationship with them simply because you, you're showing up at the same place every day. Um, there was this other friendship that he would talk about, which is a friendship of um, just somebody who that you enjoy being around, somebody that maybe you laugh with. This could be like an old buddy of yours or somebody that you went to school with or whatever. And you just kind of, maybe you have a hobby together. You like to golf or you like to, I don't know, work on cars or something like that. And so that's kind of like a little bit deeper than what um, that, that, that utility friendship is all about. And then there's this third uh, idea or bucket of friendship or relationship that he would talk about, and that is this, this friendship of the good. 
The friendship of the good was really about when two good people come together and they are looking out for the good of each other and they're accomplishing good together. And there is a depth to that, uh, a depth to that relationship that was just different. How many of you guys would say, like, I see that? Like, I see different, I mean, come on, that's pretty obvious, right? There's different levels of relationship in our life. Um, I don't know what you think about the Legos that are in your hand, but one of the things I want to point out to you about those Legos is that all of them are different, right? All of them are different. Some of them are like, like this one that I have in my pocket. Um, this, is, this is like one of those big wide ones, you know, that have lots of connectors on it. And then there's some of you, how many of you guys have like a real tiny little guy? Like it's got maybe two little like connectors on it. Well, one of the things that I think is true is that we are all like Legos. And, and what I mean by that is we all have different number of possible connections that we can handle, right? So, like, I love a party. This is me. Like, let's get as many people there as possible and let's have some fun. Let's do that, right? And, and then Sarah is like, maybe she's like that much. Like, she's like, I'm cool, but let's keep it a little smaller. And then there's like some of you that are like, literally invite two people over, no more than that, or I'm going to lose my marbles, right? And it's so true. Now, when I'm like this, I'm not having a thousand deep relationships, right? I just have a more of like, I just like people. I like being around people. And then, you know, there's just that, that reality that we can only have just so many deep relationships. And, and I think those deep relationships are, are something that can really impact us. They can really change the game for us if we realize that we're really wanting that. And I would say even today what it's about is that we're needing, we're needing people in our life. We're needing people that are um, that we're opening ourselves up to, to being connected to them, to being known by them, um, to telling our story in bits and pieces to them. Last week, I talked a little bit about how do we become known from the first week, and then last week, the second week, we talked about the way that you become known is by telling your story, and you tell your story in bits and pieces. You don't necessarily sit somebody down like, let me talk to you for 10 hours straight about my story. But we know that sharing our story, what did I just do about our neighbors and about the pool? I told you a story. And so you got to see a little bit of the insanity of what it means to be Joe for a second. And, and so this is where we're at. We're, we're kind of looking at, and scripture is filled with all kinds of different passages about friendships and relationships and how important they are. And there's so many that I could point you to. Um, Proverbs, there's there's Ecclesiastes, there's all kinds of passages. But really, to be honest with you, I just want to focus on one primary passage today. And it's from 2 Kings chapter 4. And it's this passage that is, is there's only going to be a couple of verses in a minute, in a little while. But the whole passage is, uh, is something I want you to look up. And, and this passage really kind of picks up with the prophet Elisha, not Elijah, Elisha, and Israel is not okay. All right, so Israel is not doing good, and he is on the scene, and for whatever, whatever was going on at that time, there seems to be like a number of prophets that were um, being taught and learning. They call them the company of prophets, and, and these people were connected. They were, they were in relationship with each other. They were um, connected, and, and so they were learning a little bit about that, and we pick up the story where the, the wife of one of these prophets in training 
um, comes to Elisha. And she comes to Elisha with a problem. And so verse 1 picks up with this. It says, The wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha, Your servant, my husband, is dead. That's a problem in the ancient times. This is a widow. And you know that he revered the Lord. But now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slaves. So this, this uh, husband that was uh, in the company of prophets was also in debt. And the creditor was coming to cash in on that debt. And in those times, a debt, if it was not paid, meant that it could be paid by taking your children, your sons. And so she's going to lose her two sons to this creditor. And Elisha replied to her, how can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? Everybody say, what do you have? What do you have in your house? And she says this, your servant has nothing at all except a small jar of olive oil. This is actually a small jar of olive oil. Object lesson 101. And that's all she has, is just this little guy right here. And Elisha says this, go around and ask all your neighbors if you can swim in their pool. No. Ask all your neighbors for empty jars. And don't just ask for a few. Implying, ask for a lot. Go around to the neighbors and ask for empty jars. Then go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons. By yourself, just the three of you, pour oil into all the jars. And as each is filled, put it to one side. And so she left him and shut the door behind her and her sons. What we don't get between verses 4 and 5 is that she obviously went to her neighbors. Because what we see is that they brought the jars to her and she kept pouring. And when all the jars were full, she said to her son, bring me another one. But he replied, there is not a jar left. And then the oil stopped flowing. Everybody just say, stopped flowing. The oil stopped flowing. She went and told the man of God, and he said, go and sell the oil and pay your debts. You and your sons can live on what is left. So God, we just pray right now that as this scripture, we unpack this a little bit and consider it for ourselves. Lord, we ask that you would show us something that's true, that you would show us who we are in this story and, and how we can relate and what we need to do to transform this week as a result. And we thank you for that, God, because you're teaching us. In Jesus' name we pray. So this passage, right, we walk through this. We see that this widow is married to this man who's in the company of prophets. He passes away. There is a debt that cannot be paid. And all of a sudden, Elisha is, is approached. He tells her what to do. She goes and she does it. And the need is met. The oil flows. The jars are filled. And when the jars are no more, there aren't any more, they stop, the oil stops flowing. But what's amazing is that her need is met, and then some. Her need is met, that she's able to pay her debts, and then she's also able to live on what's left. How cool is that, right? So, um, Beth, do you want to be the widow real quick? Yeah, she does. Yeah, let's hear it for Beth. 
All right, so here's the thing. So, so she is going, she's the widow, and what we need to know is, like, is there anybody that have, does anybody have a jar? We have a debt. Come on up, come on. You can, she loves me for this. Let's hear it for Beth, you guys. Does anybody have a jar? Does anybody have a jar? You guys have a jar? Awesome. Here, come on, this is you. You got to come and get the jar. Okay, cool, cool, cool. But we, yeah, awesome. Here you go. That's one. It's, you're feeling good about that, right? Awesome. Does anybody else have a, you got a jar? You got a jar? Okay, cool. This is good. Awesome. Yeah, this is cool. There you go. Great. You got one? Nice. Oh, wow. This is amazing. Like, they're just like multiplying. As a, wait, you can't. Can you carry them all? Well, this, here, just hold them like this. There you go. All right. Well, hold on. She can't do that. So guess what? I have a box for you. There you go. Put them in here. The Lord provided a box for the jars. I'm sure he did. This is amazing. Yeah, just drop them in there. You're good. Perfect. Yeah, there you go. We got more jars. Oh my gosh. That's amazing. Is there more? There's a, okay, we got one. Oh, awesome. Cool. You guys are, uh, why am I collecting these? You're the widow. Let's go. Here, this is your box. This is awesome. Here you go. This is all your jars. I feel like there's got to be more. Oh, there's one over there. It's cool. Yeah, there's all kinds of jars around here. Nice. Oh, look at that. There's two there. Oh, Malia's got one. Zoe's finding one. Guess what? Guess what? I see one right there. Dylan's being stingy. You see it? Is there one there? Yeah, there you go. There's another one. Are you willing to give it? Okay, good. That's awesome. So here's what literally happens. She goes around. Let's hear it for Beth. Thank you. I just don't do a great widow, you know. Oh, we got another one. Let's go. Yes. It's awesome. So what happens is, is she goes around and she gets all of these jars, right? And they start setting them out and they start filling them. Now, I don't have the ability to do the miracle today. Maybe I do. I don't know. You have little faith, right? So we have all these jars that we're going to fill up with all this oil. And this all came from who? Elisha came from God? God gave them to her? I don't know about that. I mean, maybe indirectly, but I mean, the jars. The jars came from the neighbors. Where's Elisha when she starts pouring? He's not even in the room. Read it again. He says, you go to your house, ask, for, ask all your neighbors for jars. And then when you got to, don't ask for just a few. I mean, we got a bunch. And here's the thing. She didn't know who had jars. She doesn't even go door. I mean, she's probably guessing at that time in, in the world, this is probably something that there was some. And she didn't know if they were going to give them to her. And she just went around to the door. And she said, hey, can, can you give me some jars? Does she know why she needs the jars? Not really. She's not really clear necessarily, but she knows that that's the obedient step to make, right? The man of God said, go get some jars from your neighbors, and she does. And all of these jars came from her neighbors. And so did Elisha create this miracle? Did God create this miracle? When all of, she takes this, this little jar of oil and begins to pour it into all of these jars, and they're filled. And then when the last jar is filled, the oil stops flowing. Did Elisha create this miracle? Did God create this miracle? Did the neighbors create the miracle? Here's probably something that's even a little bit more in, um, intense. 
Did Elisha limit the miracle? Did God limit the miracle? Did the neighbors limit the miracle? When the last jar was filled, the oil stopped flowing. And it was all dependent upon who would give her a jar. The miracle was capped by the neighbors and their willingness to give. She knew that there was a relationship that she had with Elisha, and she leveraged it. She leveraged, actually, her relationship that her husband had with Elisha. Because she said, look, he is in the company. He's one of your guys, basically. She's like, he's one of your guys. And he's died, and he's revered the Lord. He was, he was on the team, man. And so I want to leverage that and say, I need your help. And so there's that relationship in this story. But she doesn't know these neighbors. But guess what? I think one of the things that we can see is that she needed to be a good neighbor, right? I mean, could you imagine if she was the creepy widow with the two sons next door that never talked to anybody? And then she knocks on the door and she's like, I've got a problem. Um, I need some jars, as many as you can give me. And the neighbors are like, who are you? What's your name? Oh, are you the creepy lady down the street that has the two sons? that broke my window, like, there, in order for that jar to be given, she needed to be known, and she needed to be a good neighbor. But also, the neighbors needed to be generous as well, right? And so the neighbors needed to say, you know what, I've got a few extra jars. Here you go. I've got some jars that I've been given. I'm going to give them to you. I don't really know. Why do you need them? I don't know. Man of God told me I need jars. I'm getting jars, okay? And they, by faith, give their jar because they don't know why they're giving the jar. And so everybody, nobody knows what's going on except for maybe Elisha because and, and he's guiding the whole thing from afar. But nobody knows what's going on except at the end of the day, a miracle happens. A miracle that is abundance, that is overflowing, that when the last jar, that she was able to pay all of her debts with that oil, and then she had more left over that she could live on. How cool is that? When you look at this passage, what do you see? Where do you see yourself? You see a woman who has a great need. She's about to lose her kids. What need, are you a person tonight, today that you have a need? You have a, a physical need or you have a, a need for, for something, a job or, or some sort of, uh, of equipment or whatever it is, or what, something that you're just in need of. Are you in debt? Maybe not in debt with money, maybe, but is there a debt that you have, a, a need that you have that is, that is pretty dire, that is pretty um, unbelievable and overwhelming? Do you have a jar? Do you have a jar? What have you been given that if you were to say, okay, God, I'm going to give this to you, and I don't really know why, but I'm going to give it to you, I'm going to give this jar, and I'm going to trust that it's going to be used for a miracle. Here's what's amazing to me. As she goes to Elisha, she thinks what she needs to do is to go to the man of God to get her answer, to get her 
her debt paid, right? I mean, that's why she's going to him. She's not going to him for a miracle. Well, maybe, but she just really just wants the debt to be paid. Agree? That's why she goes to him. I have a problem. My children are going to be taken as slaves. I need to pay this debt. Please help me pay the debt. But what she finds out is that the man of God, yes, told her what to do, but truly what she needed was next door. She needed jars. What you need is next door. Here's what I mean by that. Your relationships and the way that God's economy works is that your source of your resource is in your relationships. Now, ultimately, God, right? Absolutely, 1,000%. And when everybody lets you down in life, at some point in your life, you'll realize that everybody is broken and everybody is not perfect. At the end of the day, God has your back. But the way that the economy works with God is that he has wired us for deep connection with each other. Why? So we can be known so we can tell our story, and so that he can provide through those relationships. What you need is next door. Your source of your resource is in your relationships. Now, now here's what you have to, to think about. What I'm saying is that everybody came in today with a need. It may be expressed, it may be not expressed. It may be very intense and severe, or it may be very mild and not a big deal. But everybody has a need. And the way that God has wired us is that he meets his people's needs through his people. So, when you choose to say, I don't need to be in a growth group. I don't need to have friends. I, I mean, the classic Micah line. If I was the only one on earth, I would be totally fine, Dad. Like, wow, dude. Like, no, you're not. When we take the, 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 the attitude and the perspective that we, we're simply, I have, I have so many friends on Facebook. I have so many followers on Instagram. I've got all these streaks on Snapchat. I am one of the most connected people. And then you have a real need. And you haven't been a good neighbor. You have been basically absent and you come to this point in your life where you need somebody. And God is saying, I have created the supply around you in the relationships that you could be making. And when we invest, when that widow invested and was a good neighbor over years, how did she get to the place that she was at? How did, she, how did you get to the place that you're at? I mean, for all we know, most likely, her husband made a lot of the financial choices back then. And he made a lot of maybe poor choices because he's in debt. Maybe there were life circumstances that were extenuating and he had to do it. We don't know what and how she got there. But here is the thing. We all have a need. And the way that God was going to meet that need was through the relationships that she had. And that those relationships limit the miracle. So everybody was given a Lego today. 
And the fascinating piece about that is that that little Lego could seem very insignificant because it's tiny, you know. I don't know if anybody got a head. There's only a couple of heads in there, the little guys, you know. But unless you recognize what you have in your hand and that it fits together to make something pretty awesome, Toy Story 4, man, like the evil Knievel guy and like Woody and everything. Like in order for us to make this, I would need all of you to give your Lego, to give your jar. And some of you might have gotten pages to the directions. I don't know. And we're going to all come together and we're going to put that all in the middle and we're going to start to build something great. It's when... Everybody ever put a puzzle together? So Sarah might remember this. She's teaching class today. But um, we did back when in like high school or whatever, we, we uh, in the living room at her house, the whole family was working on this massive puzzle, right? And it was like, I don't know, a thousand pieces. And we worked on it for months. And uh, we got to like, you know when you kind of get to that moment where you cross over, like there's light at the end of the tunnel, I think this is going to get, we're going to finish this guy, you know what I mean? Like it, b- before it was like, there's no way, and then all of a sudden you're like, whoa, I see it. So we started getting to the end, and we got to the last piece, and we were out of pieces. The worst, Right? The literal worst thing in the world that could happen is that the last piece of the thousand-piece puzzle is not there. And it's been a month or so that we've been working on it, so it's probably, like, buried in the shag carpet somewhere, right? And everybody's, like, stressed and, like, well, maybe we can color a piece and, like, make it look right and maybe we can figure or maybe we just, like, frame it and put it up there and no one will notice, you know? <clears throat> and those of you that know me know what... About, about to happen, as I reached in my pocket, and I said, yeah, it's right here, everybody, and I put it in there, I was like, yeah, and everybody was so mad and so ticked, they're like, oh my gosh, Joe, you're an idiot, <laughs> but you know, when you don't have a piece to the puzzle, it really is really disconcerting, right, um, when you don't have all the directions, what I know that's true is that God has knit us together in a way that causes our needs to be met, And it causes us to build something great. But the thing is, you limit the miracle. Because the source of our resource is in our relationships. The number of jars that we're willing to give literally limits the oil that can be poured. There's no other way to read that. There's no like deep theological interpretation that's going to change the fact that when the the jars were done and there were no more, the oil stopped flowing. So think about this for a second. Well, actually, before I get there, you guys, if you guys have a news and events, you should look on the left side of it. Uh, yeah, the right side of it. Um, I might have one up here. Do I? I don't know. Yes, I do. On the right side, up above on the upper right corner, we report every week about how we're doing on our tithe. Now, this isn't just, can you just bear with me for a second? Deep breath. Whew. All right. This isn't necessarily a giving talk. I didn't mean for it to be. But to be honest with you, something happened that I have to point out. And for whatever reason, it's kind of a giving talk, and it's kind of not. It's kind of all together at one. 
But do you see that the year-to-date deficit is $44? Can I tell you that the year-to-date deficit in January was 13000 plus? I mean, we were in month one, and we're already $13,000 in the hole. Boy, does that mess with your head. This is how we're starting out the year? Awesome. We talked about it a little bit. We said maybe by June. Maybe by June we could, we could pick it up, you know? And we talked to you guys about that. Didn't happen. No, it's okay. But for whatever reason, the week that I'm talking about giving these jars and giving what you have and allowing God to do a miracle through it, we're literally, that's like literally someone, I'm not kidding, someone told me that they, had, they gave a $45 check last week, but it didn't get counted th- until this week. And so literally... We, they're so mad because like it could have been a plus sign there. But what I'll tell you is that in probably the last five years, this is the closest that we've ever been to being on budget. And here's what I'll tell you. What we do is we kind of set the budget and we guess about what we're going to be able to see God do. And guess what? We guessed pretty, pretty close to right. But here's the thing. As a staff, we, we set a goal um, in May, actually, while we were still in the hole. <laughs> um, and, and our budget that we, we go off of, and if you guys want to see like, how it all gets spent, feel free to dig in. It doesn't really matter to us. But the point of the matter is we, it's about like 28.5. And, and what's crazy is like, you, know, you always have like the super encouraging person that says, like, hey, my church is about the size of yours, and we bring in 28.5 per week. It's like thanks. Like, I really didn't really need you to tell me that. Um, 25 a month is what we, what we target. Um, but as a staff, we said, you know what, in order to really see God do some things and for us to really staff in certain spots and to be able to, to respond to some of the needs that are out there, to really do some of the things we feel God is calling us to, is we really feel like, like our next step, which is a little bit of a reach, is to say we would love to see God create $40,000 a month for us to work off of. And no one's going to Cozumel on that, all right? No one's, no one's doing anything crazy with that. But what we're able to do is fund a little bit of the things that we need to do. Um, the list goes on about all the different things that need to happen around this place. But you know what? We continue to just be faithful with what God gives us, and we're totally cool with that. We also believe that not only the 40,000, we're like, well, how do we get to the 40,000? Well, we just got to turn the screws on Tim Pelkey more. Give more, Tim. Let's go. Come on, man. But no, what we need to see is we need to see our body grow a little bit. Yes, I think that we'll talk about the fact that maybe there's some of you that are holding your jars and you've got stacks of jars in your house, but that's a different conversation in a minute. But we really believe that there's got to be some people that are, that are not connected with yet that need to be a part of what's going on. They need to know that Jesus loves them, that there's a God that loves them, that there's a people that love them, that there is a miracle that's ready to go, and we are going to see that happen. And then we also really believe that we can't not give to missions. And so $40,000 in tithe, but we also believe above and beyond giving to be 4000 or 10% of that. That's our outreach partnership. And we have missionaries that we support and organizations that we support. At the end of the day, that's a lot of fours. 
$44 in, in the red right now. We like that, but we really are praying that God would open doors and open our connections to see 40000 a month, 400 on a weekend, and that we would see 4000 in in missions giving. But there's one more four that I've told you guys about that you guys maybe have forgotten about or never heard about is a, a four that I've been praying for for a year and a half, maybe a little longer. And I really believe that God... If, if he so chooses, and it's on my heart and on the heart of the leadership here, that he wants us to have this building, he wants us to have the building behind us, he wants us to have this lot that's out here that's just a piece of grass and it has a playground on it now, and he wants us to have the lots that, that's behind this building behind there. And so that's insane. But the prayer that I'm praying is a $4 million prayer. And the $4 million prayer is so that we can purchase this property and we can begin to make it into something that is really a community center for support and relating and, and really being the hands and heart of Jesus. So you're like, Joe, you're such a goof, man. Like four million, are you kidding me? So here's the thing, it's possible. And some of us have the gift of faith and, and we need you. And I, maybe that's for my part right now. The gift of faith is to believe that that is possible. If you don't think it's possible, you need to listen to the news, okay? Do you realize that one guy wrote a check to the Museum of Science and Industry for $125 million. All I needed to do was talk to him just before he cut the check. <laughs> just make it 121 and throw four our way. Like, let it be, let it, let it, just let it be, right? $125 million, you'll see very soon that the name of that museum is going to change. And it probably should when you drop a check for $125 million. I've been in a room where somebody wrote a personal check for $300,000. Money is not a thing with God. It's a thing with us. And at the end of the day, what's amazing is that, see, we have to get our, I don't know, call it doctrine, theology, or whatever. We've got to get it right. So everybody's sitting here, and we've got our pile of what we're able to bring in Every so often, I'm included in that. Like, we have a limited amount of funds. Not sure, but maybe somebody's independently wealthy in the room, but I don't know. But most of us have a limited amount of money. And what we think is that this amount of money is a surprise to God. But it's not. Because if our theology is correct, God knew how much money we would have and how much he would provide for us on a bi-weekly or every other week or whatever basis. He knows that the widow is coming to your house to ask for a jar. And he knows that if you give the jar, the miracle will happen and that you can still live on this. When his word says to give and to be generous, to give a, a tithe to the, to the storehouse, he doesn't say give a tithe in a surprising, oh my goodness, I forgot that that was a part of the deal, God says, I'm so sorry, you have to live on 90. The reason why he says to give 10 is because he already knows you can live on 90. Otherwise, he wouldn't have asked you for it. He wouldn't have said, test me in this. Test me. You don't think that you can give 10%? Test me. Because why? The foreknowledge of God, he, know, he knew where you would be income-wise, right now, 
before you were born. And he knew that you'd be sitting here today just being like, Joe, get done. Come on, get done. We can't do this miracle without everyone chipping in their Lego, chipping in their jar, chipping in in their way, in their, in their opportunity. And I think for us today is to realize what we've been given and what we have. So um, Carrie's going to help me with this. Uh, we're going to pass out uh, a card to you. And this is an opportunity. Yeah, you can help out, Dalen. Just pass these out. Because my heart, um, and I need to wind down here, but my heart for you and for us as a church is that we would not only just read Scripture and that we would experience it by giving our jars today in an illustration, but also that we would experience Scripture. We would experience it. And so the card that you have... um, It looks uh, just pretty basic. On one side it says, I have and I need, and on the other side it's your contact information. So some of you today, you um, have something, and you're like, man, I, I, I have this, I don't really know what to do with it, I don't know, maybe somebody could use it. It's useful, um, so maybe that would be a thing. Um, and so let me know, contact info, if you find someone that needs that thing. You might be here and say, I got nothing to give away. All I need is I need, I need. And so yesterday, um, we had somebody who contacted us and said, hey, we have a lawnmower. Like, they didn't know I was talking about this, that this was going to be a part of it. They said, we have a lawnmower. Um, Do you know anybody that needs a lawnmower? And so I reached out to people and said, need a lawnmower? And it's free. And right now, we, we still have a lawnmower that we have that could be for somebody. Um, And I don't know if that is you. But what we're going to do, and what I I wanted to give this to you now, as the the band will come up in just a minute, um, I want you to take some time to think about what it is that you have, what it is that you need. You might only have something, or you might only need something. It might not be both. But I want you to think about that. I want you to fill this card out. And at the end of the service, you can go ahead and tack it to this board that's over by our prayer area, And already, what's amazing, that's last night's cards from Saturday night. On there, um, well, I know that there's a gentleman at our church right now who just lost his job. And um, it's kind of a devastating thing because it was unexpected. And so literally, I was reading those this morning. And on the card, one of the things I have and it literally says, the ability to help someone find a job. And so I took a picture of that, and I sent it to my buddy who's, who's looking for a job. And I said, I'm pretty sure this might be a connection you need to make. Somebody was uh, unrelated to the card, but a cool story. Um, somebody was on their way um, to church last night and been experiencing neck pain and just not doing okay. Kind of scary stuff. Been to the chiropractor a bunch of times, a bunch of times, and cannot get this neck pain to go away. And when you have pain, and you have things going on inside your body, you, your, your mind goes bad places. Am I right? When you have pain that won't go away, it goes bad places. And on the way to church last night, she felt the Lord tell her, you need to pray and ask more clearly, you need to ask someone to pray for you for healing on the way to church. 
So she gets here and goes through the whole service, and she's kind of eyeing the room and kind of like, all right, this is really awkward. Like, I'm going to ask someone to pray for healing for me. Who's it supposed to be? And at the end of the service, I introduced, I did not plan to do this. I didn't know about that, what she was dealing with and what she was praying about. I didn't know about it. I found out after the service is I brought up Dave and Robin Hernandez, an elder couple, like they're part of our elder team. And um, I just said, hey, you know what? I uh, just want to introduce you to Dave and Robin and, and let you know that they're here every Saturday night and they're willing to pray for you if you need to be prayed for. And she freaked out. And it was like God was pointing arrows at Dave and Robin. And so as that happened after the service, she went over and asked them to pray for healing. And God healed her neck. And she could not turn it last night when she got here on the way out. She's like, look, I can turn my neck. Your source of your resource is in your relationships. God works through relationships to meet your need. And when you say, oh my goodness, I have such a great need, where do I go? My goal and my heart and my hope is that you've done the work to build a core of deep relationships that God will provide through. Um, I know it's a little bit later than we normally go, but I want you to see this video and the band's going to come up. Um, and uh, this is from a buddy of mine, um, Aaron, and I want him to share with you um, what he experienced through people giving their jar. So, My name is Aaron Benda, and God changed my life at Second Place. I grew up a church kid. I knew all the right answers, and I was a pro at pretending my faith was strong, and it was a lot of work to keep up the facade. I started coming to Second Place during my freshman year of college. That year was pivotal in my life, especially at this church. A lot of life hit me all at once, and keeping up the facade was the last thing that I was able to successfully do. I finally surrendered my life to God and felt Him lovingly say, Good, I can work with that. God was working on me throughout many prior years of struggle, but second place was the environment that I saw fruit begin to grow. Your giving provided me a place to be a part of a family, a home. I was accepted by God first through Christ. Second place was then the hands and feet that God used, giving me a place to be cultivated. Since that moment, my life has been an adventure and has helped me realize that once you start giving back to something, it truly becomes a part of you. It's always said at second place that giving is an act of worship, but it does not end there. I believe God designed this multifaceted act of worship to bless and grow the family of God. Yes, the light bills need to be taken care of, and so do the pastors. Those are obvious ways that your giving helps. But it also provided me gallons and gallons and gallons of paint to put on these walls, um, even though they change every you know six months to a year. But um, it also provided laminated flooring to put in the kids' rooms, giving them a safe and comfortable space, a keyboard for me to play on Wednesday night youth group and the weekend services. I could go on and on and on about things that giving has done. Um, I have a lot more stories, and almost all of these were done with the family God has given me through this church. Your giving is bigger than you know, and it has provided me so many incredible ways to serve in my home. 
as a typical college student, I couldn't always afford to to give monetarily. But your giving allowed me to be a part of the family in ways that I will never forget. I graduated with a music degree and recently moved to North Carolina to be with my family. Leaving second place was an incredibly hard decision. But I'm trusting God for the next chapter of my life. So, onward. <laughs> I can't thank you enough for giving to second place. You provided a space for me to experience God in so many life-changing ways that cannot be measured. I can't wait to get back to the warehouse soon and hear more stories of transformation and belonging. Keep pursuing Jesus first and supporting God's work at second place. You have no idea how much God used you to make a difference in my life. With gratitude, Aaron. Um, so if you're thinking about giving, um, there's a lot of different ways to give. Throw some paint on the walls. Volunteer, you know. Give what you have. So I just wanted to encourage you and let you know that I love you and that I'm praying for you. And um, that I definitely feel the love from you guys still. So I love you very much. Talk to you soon. So maybe today the thing that I want to end with is this, is what is your next step? What is your next step into community, into relationship? Because literally what you need is in is next door. Um, and so on the back of the news and events, there's a list there um, that says, you know, maybe it's getting into a growth group. They're at various locations throughout the week. Maybe it's serving this Tuesday at the food pantry or making a craft Friday night or being together in the warehouse on Friday during the day and working together where you just bring a laptop or you bring your work and you work here offsite, bring your homework, whatever, and you're just here having, enjoying coffee and people. Or maybe it's going to the equipped workshop in a couple of weeks for the new Nehemiah series. I don't know, but I, I do know this. I know that that first step into community and for those of us that are really like an introverted type of personality, that first step is the hardest thing ever to do. But when you know that what you need and that your source of your resource is in relationships, it helps make that step a little bit easier. So why don't we stand? Heavenly Father, we're going to just worship you for a second. And Lord, Lord, we just ask that you would show us and continue to show us the miracle that you want to do. Maybe it's the miracle that we need today. Maybe it's the miracle that we're able to provide for today. But whatever side of this story we find ourselves on, Lord, I pray that you would move in us and that you would inspire us by your spirit to be a part of the story and not to sit on the sidelines. And that someday we are going to really experience the very fact that the source of our resource is in our relationships. We thank you for this in Jesus' name.